What support do children need with special needs, special learning needs? Well, we have friends here today to help us understand what those needs are, how to meet those needs, and help those children excel. You're listening to Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. I'm Andy Bates. Thanks to our friends at Concordia University, Wisconsin, for their support of Faith and Family. You can find out more about them on our website, kfuo.org. In studio with me today, Jackie Smith, Executive Director of Lutheran Association for Special Education. Good morning, Jackie. Good morning. How are you? Uh, oh, I, I'm doing well, and always a pleasure to have you in studio. Thanks for coming over and, and sharing with us uh, this month. It's a, a special month. October is a special month when it comes to special education. Is that right? It is a special month. October is Learning Disabilities and ADD, ADHD Awareness Month. So we really wanted to lift that up and bring awareness for those children who learn differently. Mm-hmm. And Lutheran Association for Special Education, LACE, as it's known here in St. Louis, helps do that. And you've brought some friends along today to share their story. I did. And I'm so excited that they are here. In studio with us today, Christine Culligan, parent of Elizabeth. Christine, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you in studio today. Can't wait to hear your story. And also in studio with us, Brandy Hallemeyer. She's a teacher with Lutheran Association of Special Education. Good morning, Brandy. Good morning. Can't wait to hear your side of this story as well as an educator and what that means to uh, to raise up and, and encourage these students and, and support them and provide uh, the the, uh, the the education that is needed so they can be successful. Well, let's start with uh, let's start with Elizabeth. Elizabeth's story. Christine is Elizabeth's mom, and tell us a little bit about your family and the and Elizabeth's story. Sure. Um, so Elizabeth's adopted from China. I got her when she was a little under a year of age, and from very early on, her pediatrician identified something. And it's a tough conversation to have with a parent to tell you that there could be something that they're concerned about. So um, I knew from early on and then through first first steps, the program through the state, um, the person there was letting me know, you know, kind of nonchalantly that maybe there might be some opportunities I would like to, you know, look, look down the road uh, to help Elizabeth. So I knew from early on that there was something that she needed some assistance with medically, but I was afraid to get a diagnosis because in my mind, I kept thinking she'll get better. She's adopted. She's here. She's learning. Mm-hmm. She's She's got to learn what the American culture is, you know? Um, she wasn't held for so long. She was in the nursery there in, in China. So she just needs a little more love from her mom mm-hmm. and her dad. So that's kind of what my mindset was. Um, so at about age three, I finally took the advice of some loved uh, people in my life that really cared about me because I was quite paralyzed to do something about it because, like I said to you, I was just scared. I, I, I didn't think anything was wrong what, and I didn't want to do anything about it for a while. What was it that brought you from that that time of of fear and being paralyzed with this this fear that that there's something going on there's something my child is experiencing and it's it, and I don't want to to face it what was it that moved you from that to taking that step to you find know, some honestly help? it was probably me talking to myself and saying get over yourself <laughs> um, Elizabeth needs you right now you you wanted to be a parent go ahead and be a parent you know be selfless and put her first and get over your paralyzed moment of not doing anything stop feeling sorry for yourself i felt sorry for myself too you know i had years of infertility so i finally get this beautiful child and she's got to be perfect right mm. 
So, and she is perfect. That's the thing too. We have to remember that she's perfectly created the way she is. God made her perfectly and she's beautiful. Um, so I had to get over myself and just start making one step at a time and saying, how do I identify? Where do I go first? So reaching out to the right people to, to start finding out where do I send her? What schools are available? Um, and then getting her to a neurologist for a diagnosis. Um, just making those steps one at a time. Like I said, they were frightening because I was in denial and I had a really hard time doing it. But just making one step made the next step a little bit easier. And then the next step. What were the signs that you saw that that brought you worry and concern? Um, she wasn't doing the age appropriate things. I think at age one and a half, you're supposed to be doing this milestone and she didn't hit that milestone. So that's what the first steps person had identified that she hadn't, you know, hit these milestones. And again, like I said, I kept thinking, oh, she's, she'll get there. And she got there with some of them, but then uh, there were certain other areas that were just pretty glaring, um, that were not being met. Um, speaking was a delay, um, saying correct words was a delay. Um, eye contact was kind of off and on and, um, and her emotional demeanor just wasn't typical. And you'd mentioned that earlier that you thought maybe this, some of this was just due to uh, culture shock coming from one culture to another right. and, and her experience prior to being adopted. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because when we were in China picking her up, they had said, you know, a lot of these adopted children just aren't held because there's too many. And the nurses basically wrap them up, feed them and then go to the next one. So I kept like in the back of my head saying, that's all it is. She'll be all right. She's got a good mom to love her. She'll be fine. And she was fine. And she's, you know, <laughs> she's a well-loved child. But I had to address these and I had to... I had to identify it and make steps towards making a change for her benefit. She needed me to do this for her. So you took those initial steps. Where did it go from there as you started learning more? Um, we put her in a school that uh, took care of students from uh, pre-K to eighth grade here in St. Louis. And she had love and care in that environment. Um, they really worked on her um, uh, social skills. They worked on her um, physical challenges. She had some issues with social interaction and, you know, just um, what's that called? Sensory, sensory, yep, sensory integration. She had, because uh, she doesn't really seem to have that anymore, so I guess <laughs> I don't think about it anymore. Um, but she really had some, um, some challenges with that. And I'll tell you what, you put your child in the right spot, they're going to thrive if you, if you put your trust in the right people. And uh, she was well cared for up until uh, eighth grade. And then we have great news about where she went to high school. <laughs> so as, as your daughter is attending a school where the needs are being met, what about you? How... Uh, how did this go for you? What did you need to learn along the way? What did you learn? Um, what did your family learn in order to, uh, to to provide that support for her as she's getting the education and the support she needs at school? Well, um, you know, it's interesting because I've been thinking about this. It, it started when she was three, right? And I finally started making some changes and, and working towards giving her help. But what, I, what I've seen over the years is we get identifications, we get testing, we get IEPs, we get titles, we get diagnoses, right? That can stop you as a parent and it can stop you as a child. And you could say, but I have this disability. I can't do this because I have a disability on a piece of paper. It says I'm this. Hmm. And Elizabeth over the years has had IEP after IEP and testing and IQ testing. And the last one she had in high school 
It's pretty bad if you look at it on paper. On a scale of one to 10, if 10 is the most severe, if her, you know, um, so, uh, so, uh, social, um, sp- uh, language, every one of them, every category, she's almost a 10. Hmm. So if you look at it on paper, that child is severely disabled. And her title says severe learning disability. Yes, it does. But that doesn't define her. Who she is is a well-loved child of God with incredible potential and the opportunity to try and do anything that she thinks she wants to. And her life, she keeps doing that. We keep giving her, you know, if we have a chat about something she wants to try or do, she just does it. It takes a lot longer than the average kid, and she knows that, but she does it. And she just amazes me. So she changed me. She transformed the way I perceive life and the way I perceive um, challenges and obstacles because you can let them stop you. But my little girl does not let an obstacle stop her. And so that's how I um, developed over the last 18 years of having her in my life. So she's mm. changed me. And I tell her that all the time. I, go, <laughs> I say to her, you made me a better person. Mm. As you saw her struggle, and as you said, it, it takes her longer to do something than uh, the average kid. As you saw that, and you saw how that was starting to change you, how did that? How did that change how you uh, approach her education and and her needs? Did that that change anything in terms of? being an advocate for her and for other children that, that have uh, learning, special learning needs? Well, so I am, I can't say I'm hard on her, but I don't let her give up because she doesn't want to anyway. But there's times every kid just says, it's just too hard, I don't want to do it. And I always say to her, Elizabeth, you don't have a choice. We don't have a choice sometimes in life. Keep going. Something's frustrating. Take a breath. Let's come back to it. Um, so I have learned to become her cheerleader, but also to just say to her, you have to do the work. You have to work hard, maybe harder than some other people in life um, because things are going to be quite challenging for some issues. Um, but I, I always make sure that I just say to her, you've got people who love you and who are around you and who support you, but you have to just keep going. You have to keep trying. Um, I appreciate that you you were very clear in that uh, her disability or other things that that may describe her, don't define her. How do you help others? How do you help other children? How do you help siblings? How do you help others see that too, that a disability doesn't define her or other children? Well, I think her being integrated into the high school where she's at now, Lutheran High School of St. Charles, which I am thrilled that we found it. Um, and have the opportunity. She's now graduating this year. Um, she is accepted by her peers. And the neat thing is she she knows that she's a little different in how she learns. So she's um, she's got her classes modified a lot of times. But she's sitting in class and she's socializing and she plays soccer with kids that are of all types. So um, they accept her. She accepts them. She advocates for herself much more than she ever did because she's in the environment of everybody. It's all in this one big pot, right? Where I'm not saying to her, you're different, therefore you have to go somewhere where you're by yourself and we'll fix you. No, she is integrated. She has to learn as an adult, you have to be able to play in this big pool, right? So you have to learn how to advocate for yourself. So there's times she'll come home from school and she'll say, it was rough today. I had nobody to sit with at lunch at the, at, in the cafeteria. 
and then we'll have a chat. Okay, Elizabeth, tomorrow, when you see an empty chair and you see the person next to you, you don't know who they are, go over and introduce yourself. And those are basic things that maybe we understand to do, but she just needs these gentle reminders. And then she'll come home the next day and she'll say, I did it. And then she, she makes friends that way. So she's, she's learning to advocate for herself. And the neat thing about the other side of the coin is people that are typical, right, that don't have disabilities. They may not have ever experienced interacting with a person with special needs. She's giving them an opportunity to learn how to interact with her. And she's got some issues where they'll say, she'll say, okay, mom, somebody made fun of how I speak today. Okay, Elizabeth, when you go back tomorrow, here's what you do. They probably have never seen anybody like you. When you go in tomorrow, talk to them. I said, and you'll, you'll make a friend. And she's actually had one of the star football players that didn't understand her a few years ago. They're buds now because she worked at it. She advocated for herself. And I kept saying, Elizabeth, they've just not been exposed to somebody like you. You go back there and you show them that you're every much great as they are, you know, um, she's she's a really good advocator. I still have to force her sometimes to order for herself in the restaurant because she knows mom will do it. I'm like, okay, Elizabeth, you go ahead and order. Or I'll send her into the gas, the, the, the gas station. I'll say, take my debit card and go buy what you need. I'm not going in. You can do this. So um, she's really good about advocating for herself. And on another point, my son, um, who's grown up after Elizabeth, he's younger than her. Um, he has such a love for pe- people with special needs because he's lived with her. And he has a heart to, you know, just include people where he sees them. He just, he loves, he loves seeing people that he can communicate with that are different than him because he's grown up with his sister. Were there things that you needed to learn? Uh, obviously, you've learned how to, uh, how to live day to day. You've learned uh, how to be an encourager of your daughter in in her um, in her daily life. Were there things about specifically about this disability that you learned that you didn't know about before? I don't know specifically. Maybe you both might want to comment on that. What what was. Had you heard of uh, what was the, the disability and and had you heard of this before? Did you know I had, I had anything not about, heard it? about it? Okay. Right. To, thank you for clarifying. Um, you know, I didn't hear about it. And it's actually changed a few times over the years, only because I don't know if everybody, it, one child is not exactly like the next child. So mm-hmm. she was originally diagnosed more of the autism spectrum than it was more of a learning disability. So now it's basically just a learning disability with speech and cognitive. Um, I've learned enough about it, but I, I help her to not identify herself as a person with special needs. She knows she has to advocate for herself, but she is Elizabeth Culligan. She is not Elizabeth Culligan, IEP number, you know, 2743. She is Elizabeth Culligan, child of God, loved by many, Hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So we've learned to just, it's just a label. It's just numbers. What did you, what did you want her to, uh, to experience when you chose the, Lutheran High School of St. Charles. What was it that you were looking for when you found that school? I wanted her to have a true high school experience for four years. And she is. It's fantastic. It's small enough. There's about 400 students and there's only about two or three major hallways. So that was one of the things that really stuck out to me. I'm like, okay, she can't get lost in three hallways. (laughs) We're going to be fine. And it's all on the same floor. So I wanted her to be able to have the girlfriends and sitting at the cafeteria table and playing soccer and, um, 
I wanted her to, you know, go to dances, go to homecoming. And she has that this weekend coming up. And every year she goes, I'm not going. And then about the week before, okay, I'll go. We'll go buy a dress. So she has that typical high school experience and it makes me thrilled. Um, she's got friends from Lace, but also from just within the high school that she's truly friends with. And uh, they do things together. They go to the mall. So she's got the typical high school life that makes me really happy that I picked Lutheran and the Lace program um, because she's got great support. Those teachers love her, care about her. They look out for her. They support her. They're her cheerleaders. Um, but they're, they expect her to do her work. They mm -hmm. do. She's not getting a free pass because she's you know part of the program. She's expected to do her work. And sometimes she complains about it because it's a lot. But she, you know, <laughs> she's a typical teenager is what I'm trying to tell you. Are there areas where you found her to be, to, to excel, to what are the, the things that she loves? What are the, the areas where she really just thrives? Well, I, I would say just on a personal level, she is a lover of animals and soccer. Those are her things that she <laughs> loves. So she's uh, part of the soccer team at school. It's a varsity team because it's small enough that they don't have a JV team. Um, but she's she was a captain two years ago for the JV team because they did have enough students that uh, two years ago. So she was the captain, and the girls all voted for her. They nominated her based on her skills and her um, her her teamwork and her spirit. Um, so she loves to be part of a group um, that she feels that she's valued. Um, she loves to be recognized too, and she loves to play soccer. Um, and she loves she loves being with animals. She loves talking about her dogs. If you had ever talked to her about what she likes, she'd instantly say her dog Sadie. Um, she loves talking about her brother. Doesn't talk about me much, but I know she loves me. <laughs> um, but th that's what she loves the most. Her passion is animals and being outside and um, having her friends, which is cute. Again, typical high school stuff, right? Sure. Sure. What, now that she's, uh, you said she's graduating this year and, uh, before the program, you mentioned that, uh, if we were, she, she told you, if we were talking about, if you're talking about me, then I should get to go and, and, right. and talk on the air today. And, uh, I wish we, we could have done that, but she's a student. That's right. She has responsibilities. She needs to be in class and, and studying. Uh, you mentioned she's graduating this year. Uh, how do you plan for the next stage? What, what are you preparing for? What is she preparing for the next stage in life? Well, um, according to her diagnosis, she's pretty challenged. So um, what the state recommends is the fifth year program. So she technically gets to walk on the, down the aisle for graduation, get, you know, with all her kids, wears the cap and gown. Uh, but then she'll do a year of something with the state. I, I don't have specific details on mm -hmm. it, but she'll she'll do like a job search program where the state intervenes and helps guide her towards her likes and dislikes, sees what she might be a, a good fit for. Um, but there's other opportunities available for her. Again, due to her spirit of who she is, um, she doesn't want to be stopped by just the fact that she has a hard time learning math or a challenge reading or, a, you know, a, challenge you know understanding certain things she can get to things she can understand things it just takes her longer so there's opportunities possibly through one of the local colleges that they have a two-year program designed for students like elizabeth um, where they can have the college experience and have a modified type of college experience and a modified 
um, curriculum. So hopefully if that's an opportunity that we can do for her, I would love to see her have a college experience. I would. I would love her to eat ramen noodles five days a week and complain <laughs> about it, you know, and just say, Mom, where's your cooking? Can I come home? Um, so I think that if that's the, the possibility for her, that'd be kind of neat. Uh, but if not, she's, she's, she knows. She's, we've been realistic her whole life. We have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. If this doesn't work, we're going to try this. If this doesn't work, we'll go to this one. So she knows that if college is not an option, we're going to go right into the workforce and she'll have money quicker than all of her other friends and she'll be able to buy soda and go to the quick trip and have fun and go to the movies. So that's the option. I just want her to have an optimistic view of her future, whatever it is. You mentioned earlier and even before we were on the air, one of her strengths is her persistence. Yep. That uh, she recently had a uh, something to celebrate due to her persistence. Is that right? That's right. She, um, she's been studying for seven months to get her driver's permit. And now I don't know if she's going to be able to actually drive, but we're going to get to the, we're going to cross that bridge when we get to it. But she got the book and she has been studying for seven months straight, reading the book over and over. I can't even tell you how many times. And she went and took the test. Now in the state of Missouri, you can take it two times per day. And I think unlimited, I don't know if it's unlimited, but she went six times. So in the last, what is that? Five days, four days, she went every day. Okay, after school and the officers, the, the Department of Transportation employees, I think they're officers by the third day. They're like, hi, Elizabeth, how are you? <laughs> so she just kept showing up. And uh, um, so on Friday, I picked her up from school and her brother, who's 15, had just gotten his permit that morning. So she was even more determined. She's like, dang it. If he got his permit, I'm getting mine. So we went at 430 and they were about to close in about 20 minutes and she took her permit test and failed and she went back up to them and they said okay go ahead Elizabeth go take it your second time took it her second time and she passed and she gets up to the counter and they said okay now you have to take your vision but first of all let me just preface this they all gave her a standing ovation because they know her they're like yay Elizabeth you got your permit then she went up had to take her vision test and instantly got nervous and I said Elizabeth you've gone this far you can do this you've got this don't don't stop now. So she went through the eye vision test and now the policemen are literally hovering around her in a huddle. Okay. <laughs> and she has to do the science test. We have to check, you know, stopping, no left turn, railroad crossing. And you have to get, I think five of six. So she got through one, the police officer fist pumps in the air. Yes. And she gets number two in the fist pump. And then she got stuck on five, the fifth sign. And they're all going, come on, Elizabeth, you got this, you got this. She finally says the correct one. And this one police officer shouts with two fists in the air. Yes! Like they were so <laughs> excited for her. They were clapping for her and shaking her hand. Everything she does, she just inspires people. When they know her, when they know her story, she touches people because she's fearless. She just knows, I want to do this. I'm going to go try it. And then she does it. You know, like I said, it takes longer, but she does it. So it just makes me proud to see what a neat kid she is and what a beautiful young lady she is, you know? And look how she pulled that crowd together. She did. The and they were, I mean, it was after five now. So they were already, <laughs> go, everybody was gone, but these guys just stayed around to wait. Cause, and then she apologized. She said, I'm sorry for keeping you after five. And they said, oh no, we wanted to see you pass. This is great. No problem. <laughs>
Well, congratulations to Elizabeth on that accomplishment. That is a milestone and something to be celebrated. We have more to share share about Elizabeth's story. When we come back, we'll hear more from Christine, Elizabeth's mom, and from Brandy Hallmeyer, a LACE teacher, uh, Lutheran Association for Special Education, and Jackie Smith. She's the executive director for Lutheran Association for Special Education. You're listening to The Messenger of Good News, Faith and Family, Worldwide KFUO. We'll be back in just a moment. Concordia University, Wisconsin, and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs, and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. In the wake of Hurricane Harvey that decimated much of Houston, abortion mills were offering free abortions. Abby Johnson, the former director of Houston Planned Parenthood, did the same after Katrina. Now she's pro-life and in the wake of Harvey was offering life-affirming services and help. Abby raised money to offer pregnant women critical supplies like diapers, formula, baby food and wipes. They also gave various supplies to the women themselves. Abby heads a group called And Then There Were None, which works to help abortion industry staff get out of the business of killing and into ethical jobs. The goal is to end abortion from the inside out. In the wake of devastation, the abortion industry only offers death, but pro-lifers offer hope and vital support. Follow us on Twitter at Life Issues USA and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. St. Louis Best in Food, Beer, Spirits, and Coffee will be on tap at the Brew in the Lou Festival Saturday, October 14th from 1 until 5 p.m. at Francis Park in St. Louis Hills, benefiting Lutheran education. Brew in the Lou is more than just a tasting festival, live music, dancing, vendor sampling, and selling. For information on wristbands, L-E-S-A-S-T-L dot O-R-G or on the phone, 314-200-0797. Brew in the Lou. Proverbs 27, 17 tells us, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. That's why weekday mornings at 8 a.m., two Missouri Synod pastors test their mettle against the Holy Scriptures, certain that not only will they come out better for it, but so will you. The sword of the Spirit is sharp to the touch, but you need practice wielding it. Check out Sharper Iron, 8 a.m. every weekday on Worldwide KFUO. Blood clots are life-saving when they stop your bleeding, but they can form when they aren't needed and cause a heart attack, stroke, lung damage, and death. Venous thromboembolism, or VTE, is when a clot forms in a deep vein, usually in the leg, then travels to the lungs and blocks blood supply. 
VTE affects around 600,000 Americans each year. You're at risk as you age, and if you've had recent surgery, a serious injury, or been still for a long time from a hospital stay, bed rest, or travel. Also, if you have a personal or family history of deep vein clots, smoke, or are overweight. Seek medical attention if you experience swelling, pain or tenderness, or warmth and redness. If you have sudden shortness of breath, chest pain, or cough up blood, call 911 immediately. The good news is that VTE can be prevented and treated. Learn more at agingresearch.org slash VTE. Brought to you by the Alliance for Aging Research. In 1924, we embraced the new technology of that day, radio. Since that day, we've stayed on the cutting edge of technology. There are many easy ways to listen to Worldwide KFUO. On the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the gospel of Christ in both word and song. Now that's why you should listen. The where and the how, well, that's up to you. The messenger of good news. Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. October is Learning Disabilities Awareness Month. And in studio to help us learn more about uh, learning disabilities, our friends from Lutheran Association for Special Education, Jackie Smith. She's the executive director. Christine Culligan, proud mom of Elizabeth, a student, a senior at Lutheran High School, St. Charles. And Brandy Hallmeyer, a teacher with Lutheran Association of Special Education. Brandy, tell us what led you to consider this, this vocation of teacher, um, particularly in the special education why did why did you pursue this path? Well, it's funny. Um, God's hand definitely was in it the entire way. I uh, attended Missouri State University in Springfield with no idea of what I wanted to do. I think I was undeclared for about a year and a half. Um, I knew I wanted to help people in some way. I dipped my toes into restaurant administration and, um, you know, I was in early childhood for a little bit and uh, nothing just felt right. Um, but I stuck with early childhood for a little bit and in one of my practicums, there was a little boy who was pretty severely disabled. Um, I was just drawn to and the teachers there noticed um, my interactions with him and his response to me and they basically said, you know what, we're gonna stick you with him um, for the remainder of your practicum. and. Uh, I think I left that day and changed my major <laughs> to special education um, because I, I, I always knew I wanted to do something to help people, um, but I didn't know exactly what. And this just, it was a weird calling, you know, and at that moment I just knew and I'm glad it happened. As you went on from there and, and took more classes and, and when did you know, when did you say, yes, this is for sure what I want to do. Uh, and maybe it wasn't until you were out in the field as a, as an educator. Yeah, it really wasn't. I mean, you go through and it college is kind of like an artificial um, introduction mm -hmm. to your career. And um, so even though I, I got a little experience, um, I, you know, I thought it, I, I never had a doubt that this is what I needed to do. Um, this is what I was being called to do. Um, but it really wasn't until I got into the field and had real interactions with students and parents and my coworkers, and I was a real teacher. And that's when it kind of became real. And I was like, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. So what does 
Lutheran special education look like today? Tell me about uh, your work as an as an educator. What does that mean for your your relationship with the with the students, your relationship with other teachers in a Lutheran school, your relationship with the with the parents as well? Mm-hmm. You can choose which one you want to start sure. with. <laughs> well, Lutheran education looks a lot like regular old education you'd find in public school. Um, however, you know there is a um, there's a little difference when you bring Christ into the environment. Um, it, it just kind of um, changes things a bit. Um, you just kind of have a little bit more love in the environment. And, um, you know, I'm kind of in a, in a hard position sometimes where I'm an advocate for my coworkers and I'm an advocate for the child and I'm an advocate for the parent. And so sometimes I feel like the world is on my shoulders, but um, I don't think that's any different than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the nature of this, this job. Um, so it's, it's good. How do you, how do you, Let's talk about intervention, early mm-hmm. intervention. You teach at an elementary school, correct? K to eight. K to eight. So let's talk about early intervention and why that's important. It's super important because if you don't catch that, um, you know, soon enough, the gap just keeps widening, you know. So um, I'm lucky enough to work with kiddos as early as, as kindergarten um, to kind of catch those early warning signs um, and red flags and get them the intervention that they need before it gets any worse. Sometimes we may think uh, Lutheran schools may not be able to, you know, my child has some unique needs. A Lutheran school is not going to be able to meet those needs. Mm-hmm. That I think is a, a, a notion that many parents might carry. One of my favorite parts of my job is going into the public school um, for an evaluation. And I can kind of feel the vibe, you know, okay, what kind of services can they possibly provide? And then we kind of get into the, the plan and... Uh, kind of the interventions that we provide and they're like, whoa, (laughs) you know, they're just kind of taken aback at what we can provide because I have a a certification from a college, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly capable of providing the same services as anybody else. And we, I mean, we are required to do double the amount of professional development, I think that than the state requires. So um, LACE is really great about providing what we need to be successful and good educators. You heard uh, you heard Christine's story mm-hmm. of her daughter earlier, and that that the intervention early on, and how that made a difference. But it was hard at first to uh, to acknowledge that my child might have some some needs that uh, aren't typical. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you help families with that? How do you sure. how do you help you know when when you see a student? Uh, that that's struggling with something or might have a, a need that's not typical. Yeah, even though everybody's story is different, it's kind of the same. <laughs> um, I see all the time parents who um, perceive their child as perfect, which you made a really great point. We are all perfect, you know, especially in God's eyes. We God made us the way He exactly how He wants us. Um, but you know, first and foremost, my job is to be a listening ear um, for these parents. Um, to be empathetic and understanding because that kind of creates a relationship, a trusting relationship that is required for this to work, you know, as a team. Um, so first and foremost, I'm, I'm the listening ear. It's, I'm an amazing, in an amazing position where we can pray together before meetings or we can pray together before um, talking about a difficult situation. Um, and I think, you know, that definitely 
is a different relationship than that than you can find in the public school, you know. Um, and, you know, just being there with them every step of the way from confronting the teachers first to the evaluation to the transition to the high school to the college or whatever. Um, just being a friend, a listening, you know, member of the team. Um, and I also like to provide a lot of resources, whether it's literature, online resources, resources. Um, understood.org is an amazing resource for parents. Um, it is geared for parents starting from what is a learning disability to, okay, this is what you expect during an evaluation to, okay, now how do you take care of yourself? You know, a lot of self-care um, as you go through the, the process of helping your child with the learning disability. Um, what about other educators? You know, you, you're the, the LACE teacher. Yeah. Um, how do you help other teachers in a Lutheran school serve all children, mm-hmm. including those, um, those learning needs that are the special learning needs? Sure. It's certainly not easy, um, especially being the only special ed teacher in the building. You know, I'm one voice against all of them, but I think um, I address it the same way where I'm a listening ear for them as well. I'm very empathetic to their caseload and workload. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a principal who is really supportive of the LACE program and um, supportive of my wants to educate my coworkers on everything special ed. So I actually do get a spot once per month to provide professional development to my staff members. Um, this year we're focusing on, you know, really, it's funny, I called it the come to Jesus on all things sped, <laughs> you know, um, the IEPs, the 504s, the accommodations, modifications, what does that look like and what does that mean? Um, so that's our focus this year of, um, you know, I'm going to take the time to show them how to create and implement these modifications and accommodations so that we have a really solid understanding of um, whose job is it anyway, or, you know. Um, you know, how do I do this? Um, Because I want them to be competent. Um, When they're competent and understanding, we can all work better as a team um, and move these kids forward to their full potential. I'm sure from one side of it, you know, from one perspective as an educator in a classroom, the thought of a child having um, special learning needs might be uh, frightening or intimidating to an educator. On the other side, the the process of documenting and making sure that everything that, that we have the, the appropriate documentation, um, so that those needs are are being met appropriately over a course of time, that can also be daunting or intimidating. I'm sure to educators as well as as parents too. When you start using names and numbers and codes and things like that, and and IEP and other phrases that that that. Uh, those who are familiar with special education are used to for someone who's not familiar with that, that can seem intimidating or or even frightening. Well, and I think it's really unfortunate. I don't think there's a very heavy emphasis on those kind of topics in, um, you know, teacher programs in college, um, which is really sad because these are the kids that are on their class roster. They are teaching these kids and it's something that is expected of them. And so to throw them out there into their classroom and not have the proper training on how to serve these kids or what does that IEP mean, um, it's a really disservice to our teachers, I think. And so I think that's a huge part of my job is educating them on those kind of things. How can 
how can you, uh, how can a Lutheran school serve students that we might overlook? Uh, what are ways that Lutheran special education can be a service to students, to the community that, that we might not necessarily think of immediately? Are you talking about the kids that might fall through the cracks? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we certainly have a lot of those in our school. Um, recently, in the past couple years, I've implemented Dibbles, which is a reading um, assessment. It's three times a year, and uh, we're able to catch kids with reading um, deficits really early. Um, and so then parents are aware, I'm aware, teacher is aware, and early intervention is put into place right away. So a lot of my caseload is actually kids who have not gone through the evaluation or the kids who um, aren't diagnosed um, because that's just who laces. We service um, all kids who need our support. Um, So it's not always easy, but uh, we make it work by the grace of God. (laughs) So it might be, there might be a student who doesn't necessarily... um uh, doesn't have an IEP, doesn't specifically qualify for this service or that service or have a, a, uh, a an extreme need, but still may have some deficits, some things where they need some extra support. Sure. That's where Lutheran yeah, Special we, Education... Um, mm-hmm. We've been there before where we've gone through the evaluation and they came back non-disabled. And it's not our job to just say, well, that's that and just throw them back in because clearly they're still struggling. Um, you know, one example is one um, middle schooler we have, she um, straight A's uh, to the to the teacher. It would look like nothing's wrong because she's passing everything, no problem. Um, and it was one of those situations where the parents saw the perfect A's and thought, well, there's nothing wrong here. And so when the teacher started bringing up the um, organizational issues, the attention issues, um, the parents were very resistant. Um and kind of resulted or uh, resorted to um, punishment and um, changing the diet and the sleeping, which can have huge impacts, but um, didn't really want any interventions on the school side. And so after a while, um, they kind of came to terms after us, you know, kind of gently reminding and, you know, kind of coaxing along the way. Um, and, and, from their words, it, it was a life changer. It was kind of like she woke up into her full potential at that point. Um, this child does not have a diagnosis. She, I mean, she has a medical diagnosis of ADHD, um, but she did not qualify for educational services, but we still provided those along the way. She has a locker checklist. She has a picture of what her organized locker should look like. She has, you know, she has to get that assignment notebook signed by her teachers. You know, it's all these things that help her along the way. Left unchecked, where could that have gone? She it's was, hard to say. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to even imagine that we wouldn't have done something still. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's hard because these are accommodations that you can provide anybody, you know, anyone. Sure. Um, but I see the strain that it puts on the parents. They were up for hours doing homework at night. And that's, you know, one of the warning signs. If your child is doing four hours of homework and their peers are doing an hour, that's that's a big red flag. And so it just puts a huge strain on the family. Um, and at school, you know, it's hard to work as a team when, when that doesn't happen. She was making great grades, mm-hmm. but it was taking an exceptional amount of time, right. it sounds like. 
Hmm. Yeah, and and that's one thing where I have to advocate for the the child and the family with my coworkers. It's like you don't see the effort that has to be put in to get those straight A's. She has to work and you know a million times harder than her typically developing peers. Um, so kind of just putting it into perspective that way um, helps. What motivates you to keep doing what you do? I know my kids need me and I know my school needs me. Um, and, you know, I love that we have a connection with Lutheran High because I can hear from my past students and parents and hearing that my fruits are still, you know, bear, you know, are coming to life in high school. They come back and say, because you taught her this, she can now do this. And it's just amazing. The day in, day out stuff, it might seem hard and tedious and whatnot. But when you see someone from four years ago come back and say, thank you, um, that's well worth <laughs> every <laughs> single day. Jackie, it's it's October, Lutheran Awareness, uh, or, I mean, uh, Learning Disability Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. What is a learning disability? So learning disabilities are uh, neurologically based processing problems, which actually can interfere with learning basic skills such as reading or writing or math. Uh, They can interfere with organization. They can um, interfere with time management and abstract reasoning, long short-term memory. So we wanted to just build some awareness around learning disabilities, attentional issues as well that can impact learning um, to the forefront. Uh, As we strive to have greater impact in the St. Louis metropolitan area, we feel it's it's important to lift up, um, especially for parents. Parents struggle with this. Uh, We see it all the time, and we want to be that resource for them. We also want to be that resource for for teachers that we work in collaboration within our Lutheran schools so we can help every child reach her God-given potential. And I love listening to these stories because we are a small ministry, but look at the impact that we can have if we are aware of the little things that we do, because we do have to individually program for these children. Uh, They have unique needs. One child does not learn the same as another child. So that's why uh, Brandy might have a child that learns very differently from another. So how do you develop a program that's going to make that child reach their God-given potential? Where, where do we find LACE programs today? Well, the easy answer to that question is just to log on to our website <laughs> at LutheranSpecialA.org. And all of our partner schools are on our website. Not all Lutheran schools have LACE programs. Uh, we are we did move from 14 schools to 16 this year, so we are expanding. And some of our programs have also expanded, so we've had to add uh, teachers. So we're very excited about that. The need is great. Uh, I think that what makes us a little unique is that if a child is not diagnosed, doesn't mean that we don't program. We do. That's who we are. That's our ministry. How can, uh, what can parents gain from LACE? How does LACE serve parents? I think they serve parents in a very uh, multifashioned way. I think that they are looking for safety, they're looking for to be understood, not only from a parent's perspective, but that we understand their child and how they learn. 
I think they're looking for resources. They're looking for trust. Someone who, who understands my child is, is just huge. I think they're looking for a, a real partnership as well because parents are our value to us. It does take a community to serve children with learning disabilities and attentional issues. And I think that's what parents are looking for. Uh, they're also looking for that additional support they might not receive because they're, they're, they didn't qualify for mm-hmm. services. It doesn't mean that child is not struggling. That child could still be at risk. What we don't want to see is that, you know, children typically know that there's something going on and we don't want that to impact their self-esteem. We want them to have friends. We want them to be successful in the academic environment and, what, and we want them to be self-advocates which actually Christine lifted up earlier. That's very important. So that's what we want for these children. Christine mentioned earlier that she wanted a school, uh, you know, she had, they had been to a school that um, where, where faith was not the center of it, and it was fine. The needs were, were met there, but she was elated to find a, a school where faith is the, the foundation for that school. What does this mean for parents of children with uh, special learning needs who really want their child to go to a Lutheran school? They want that that Christ-centered foundation for the education for their child. What does this mean for them? I think it means uh, growth, journey. I mean, we, we do a lot of prayer at LACE. We lift up children in regard to how their uniqueness and, and everyone is so special. And we want to work with with parents in that in, in that kind of foundation, so they have that spiritual growth. There's nothing better than actually giving a child what they need academically and socially, but also having them build that relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus. And not every, you know, there are, uh, you know, millions of of uh, different needs and and yes. diagnoses and and disabilities. So not necessarily every. Uh, every need can be met, but the fact that there are lace teachers and programs in Lutheran schools around the, the St. Louis area means there's a good chance that there's a Lutheran school in your neighborhood or in a reasonable distance that may very well serve your family's needs, your child's needs. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we we do want to continue to be a resource for the community, even if they don't attend Lutheran schools. They can still utilize us as a resource. We're always open to serve children. We also have some tutoring programs available that they don't have to be a member or participate in a Lutheran school. We also encourage people this month to go onto our Facebook page at uh, Facebook slash Lutheran Special Ed. We're going to have some parent tips, our success stories. And Elizabeth is just one of many parent tips, early intervention, uh, educational strategies from some of our teachers. Uh, We're also really happy that Christine and Elizabeth have agreed to be our ambassador at our Herald the Holidays event on November the 11th this year. So we can again highlight her amazing story. She will also be in attendance. So we're really excited about that. So if you want to meet Elizabeth, that's the the chance. Elizabeth likes to be met. Okay. She loves that. And I think she's going to be wonderful. She really is. Can I interject a really funny story real fast? Sure. So this is tells you how confident my child is. When the election was happening, we were talking about who gets to be uh, to, to run for president. And we talked about how you have to be born in this country. She goes, are you telling me I can't run for president? 
because she's born from China. <laughs> she's in China. I go, I'm sorry, Elizabeth. No, you can't be president. She goes, why? I want, I want to be something. I go, well, how about senator? I don't think there's a rule for senator. But she thought she, she wanted to go for the highest job. I want to be president. She's got goals. I know. <laughs> Good for speaks, her. It yes. speaks volumes mm-hmm. to the self-talk that you have provided her throughout the years. Yes. It is very evident that you have, you have made her that confident person um, by speaking no less. By far. You know, having her reach... Uh, and, and want to attain goals, to have goals to, to reach for. I mean, it, uh, thanks be to God that, that she has that desire to, uh, to reach for these goals. Outstanding. We have just about two minutes left, and I want to make sure that uh, we can share what's coming up in LACE this year. Uh, you mentioned the Herald the Holidays event coming up November 11th, yes. uh, just around the corner. Where can we find information on that? Oh, please log on to our website, LutheranSpecialEd.org. Uh, it is a uh, it's a morning filled with uh, auction items, uh, our success stories. We do, we're going to have an amazing fashion show this year um, that is going to um, be hosted by Mix and Match and Soft Surroundings. So uh, I'm very excited about that because I get to go shopping. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> what we're trying to do is we're trying to do more outreach. We're trying to impact as many kids as we can. And this is a fundraiser for us. So we can make sure that we have the resources available to make sure that we reach these kids. The uh, The website again? LutheranSpecialEd.org is our website. And we again, we'll be posting some things on Facebook as well. Uh, we do have e-newsletters. We have um, we have some communications that maybe our parents might be interested in. You can log on to the website, send us an email to info at lutheranspecialed.org, and we will get back to you in regard to how to sign up for those. And that's the place where you can also find out what Lutheran schools have a LACE program in yes. the community as well. Absolutely. And so you can get connected with a, a Lutheran school that has a LACE teacher like Brandy here <laughs> uh, who who's helping families. And it may not necessarily, as, as we said earlier, it may not necessarily be a student who has an IEP, but you might suspect something there. And uh, maybe it doesn't necessarily require an IEP, but there might be some need um, so that that student doesn't fall through the crack. That is a population that we see is growing Mm -hmm. are those children who are in the gap. So we're really heavily concentrating on that right now. So that's the, check it out, lutheranspecialed.org is the the place to learn learn more about Lutheran Association special education right here in St. Louis. Lace is uh, the name we go by here in the St. Louis area. To my guest today, thank you all for being here. Christine Culligan, thanks so much for sharing your story, Elizabeth's story. You're and uh, and everyone will have the chance to meet uh, Elizabeth at the uh, at the upcoming Herald the Holidays event for Lace on November 11th. Brandy Hollemeyer, Lutheran Association special education teacher. Thanks so much, Brandy, for being here today. Thank you. And Jackie Smith, executive director for Lace. Thanks so much for being my guest today. Thank you. Coming up in just a little bit, Thy Strong Word, right here on the Messenger of Good News Worldwide, KFUO. You've been listening to Faith and Family, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. Or you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO.